So I had to reset the machine. That was easy, but honestly, what it also did was make me reconfigure my entire office settings. That and that got me very angry, let's say. But probably we should stop yeah. here and get into the podcast. Yeah. Given the fact that we were recording. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Welcome back. I don't everyone. appreciate these interruptions at my job in the slide factory. <laughs> all right. All right. So. From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Welcome back, everyone. We've been away for a few weeks, I think, right now, but we're back, right, Flo? Yeah, we're back because uh, because we have to be back because we paused a little bit there and we didn't tell all of you in advance because we didn't know it was coming. We just fell into a super, super duper busy season. So I had to prioritize a few things and then us giving the podcast a little break was easy to do. So we did that. So yeah, I mean, we were both busy and of course, we're not going to go into Flo's technical issues oh earlier this week either. Because there were major, the yeah. major accidents at the slide factory and all the staff had to sit on their yeah. hands and wait for the freaking fonts package to install an update and whatnot. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, and it's my last bit of this. If you define custom themes for your various office office applications and you save them somewhere, yeah. uh, make sure you know exactly where you save those because <laughs> oh, yeah. anyway, that's that's it. That's it. That's all oh, I Oh yeah, yeah. So today on the, today yeah, on the topic of fixing stuff. Yeah. Oh we nice. have to fix Very content. Don't done. Worry. Very nicely done. Yeah. That was the best segue. We did in a while, I think. Um, yeah, because let's we don't we didn't actually want to talk about fixing my Windows machines. We talk, wanted to talk about fixing content, right? Yes. Um, yep. And I think what we mean by that is we often hear from consulting firms, practice leads, people in the marketing department, even, um, uh, and the, sort of complain or explain how they've driven a certain content effort. They started a blog, right? They began a LinkedIn program, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they poured their heart and soul into it for some time, six months, a year, whatnot. Yeah. And what they're getting is decent, uh, I should be careful to call them vanity metrics, but decent vanity metrics like reach, engagement, these types of stuff seems okay. But if they've listened to our unit economics episode, look into their CRM and try mm-hmm. to figure out, do these channels actually drive any real business opportunities? There's nothing. Right? There's crickets. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you're vibe of, right. or what yeah. the result of that is the vibe of, oh, you quickly get into the territory of, oh, we tried X, right? We tried, we tried LinkedIn, we tried a YouTube channel, whatever. We tried Medium. I don't know what firms do these days. Um, or I do know. Oh. Anyways, um, yeah. and it doesn't work for us. And this, I think, Ash is where you and I pause and say, hmm. But it's working for so many other people. <laughs> like literal yeah. billions of dollars are made on LinkedIn. Are you sure it's the channel's fault? <laughs> is- Sometimes the whole thing is okay, it's we've all seen the TikTok video of someone trying to put like a you know, a square thing into a circle thing, a, a round 
everything going into the same hole basically yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, essentially yeah. how people yeah. are trying to do their content they're like it's not a perfect fit it doesn't really work why doesn't it work and you're like that's not how you optimize it that's yeah. not how you do the stuff exactly so and i think so we brought you a bunch of things um today this is not a listicle episode i should say but we do have a list of if you if you diagnose these types of issues uh mm -hmm. there's a list of findings we that seem to come up all the time right so yeah uh i don't know grab a coffee and a pen and and a notepad and sort of note along to see if those are relevant for you we'll keep it tactical and practical but before that ash i think you wanted to spend a little bit of time to again drive home the point of how important it is to have yeah. market segmentation positioning all that stuff figured out right before you do the content yeah, the whole thing about like content is essentially it is connected to your brand like what you talk about is who you are and not only do you need to focus yeah. on this because it's going to like define what you're you know what people in the market think you are and how people should come to you for this you should also make the what do you say the wider audience make your specific audience aware of the problem the whole purpose of building this content is create that awareness of what the problem is guide them guide your prospective buyers in the journey saying here are the solutions for the specific problem and as you do that flow as i agree with you uh, what we discussed earlier that this is the kind of stuff that builds your reputation and brand and yeah. then people will keep coming to you for this kind of stuff so it is an exercise in branding and reputation it's an exercise in awareness and it's also like segmentation because you are guiding your prospective buyers from the problem awareness stage through solutions and then yeah it's also, Ash, it's also asked a very polite way to tell me his co-host that uh if you're running a podcast on professional services marketing you should not be opening it with talking about your software problems because it's not a message i think that's <laughs> Which, fine. and that is right <laughs> he's correct in saying that anyways um so that was a good reminder so i think and i, I agree right you have this you have the strategy has to come first and you have to have that down but mm -hmm. we're not going to dwell on that here we will presume that you have that you have segmented the market you have identified client pain points you have had you've done the positioning with relation with regards to those pain points and, and you have the messaging down so we roughly know what it is like you said ash what is we should be talking about we know mm -hmm. that um and then and then they start whatever the program is and still find it doesn't work. And so the easy find, and the first thing on our list we have, if you then go into their channels and analyze what they're publishing is, uh, they're not sticking with the message, right? So yeah. that's number one There's issue. There's no clear theme, right? Yeah, or not, no clear themes, plural, whatever. Yeah. Instead, I, I've made this joke before, right? But you go on the LinkedIn feed and then there is the office dog and the foosball table and the new colleague from last year, which I should be saying totally fine is what you're trying to do is convey your office culture because this is a recruiting play for you. But even then I would say, how relevant is this to someone who's searching for a job and trying to figure out, you know, if this is a good career opportunity, maybe they like dogs and that's on their list. Personally, not high on my priorities. So, sorry, I'm rambling, but you get my point, right? You have, like you said, Ash, yeah. people have a messaging ready, and then they post all kinds of stuff because the plan says we have to post on Thursday, and there's a little bit of a, a discipline, a lack of discipline, or uh, 
not even that, maybe they, they are all over the place. And the root cause analysis for that is typically, and we've spoken to this about this in previous episodes, they have never at no point taken their messaging and translated it into pillar themes or, or subgroups of things yeah. to talk about, right? If digital transformation is your thing, then you should define a list of sub-themes, uh, which then inform your content policy. And then I think that's the point for this first point here is you should stick with those. I'm going to say nine times out of 10. Yes, have the office dog, right? But only once a month. And the rest of the time, it's about why do digital transformation? What are typical hurdles? What are the most common uh, problems as you start off? Blah, blah, blah. You know, all this educational stuff to yes, be yes. seen as the expert. Uh, I feel like I so when we when we're talking yeah. about pillar themes and stuff like that, we I think the thing that we do need to help our audience understand is you should have identified this earlier while you're doing your positioning and fit and make sure that you stick to them as you stick to your channels and convey and do a mapping exercise almost because it ties into what you're going to talk about next, right? About your buyer journey. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of mapping, right? So, so if you have defined key themes and we stick with them, um, there's another thing the content should do, which is it should map to the client's buying journey. The the two are a little bit um, related, as you rightly point out. Um, but we want what what your content has to do, and I often, if the content isn't performing, I often find that that's not the case. Is if I picture the most generic buying journey possible. So mm -hmm. from I'm problem unaware, so I need to become aware of the problem. Mm -hmm. Then I need to assess whether that's relevant for me. Then I need to build a case for solving that problem. Then mm -hmm. I need to select a vendor. I have to create consensus, whatever. There's tons of these generic things, but you, you can pick yeah. any one of those. They're all equally helpful, right? I know there's criticism of linear buying journeys, but for our purposes, they're good because the job you have to do is make sure that you have content that helps people progress through each of those steps. And this is where I often see a breakdown um, because lots of consultancies, let's say, for example, they start with posting about the solutions right away, <laughs> but there's no content making the, the client aware of the underlying problem or why said problem is relevant to their business in the first place. Or I also see the opposite where people make a case for the problem all the time, but they then never talk about you know, how this could be overcome or what good solutions would look like, or maybe, I mean, it's not forbidden, right? Occasionally to write about why they should consider us or what our process is. So you get the point, right? There's it's, a buying a journey, journey of some sort yeah. and your content yeah. portfolio, for lack of a better word, needs to map against that. And if you don't have it, um, no wonder it doesn't work. By the way, yeah, sorry, yeah. I'll touch upon this super briefly, but... It's almost never the case that there's just one buying journey, but, but there are multiple and they're depending on personas. You don't have to overcomplicate it. But let's say someone from the C-suite has different questions on each of the stages than, than uh, let's say, a function head or a project lead or whatever, like other people who inter engage with your consulting firm. So maybe you need to break down that with sort of yeah, let's, let's make it very uh, let's make it very tactical in an example like you might be running a massive transformation but there is one path for the finance team one part for like the supply chain and the procurement guys one part for marketing etc so yeah it might all be that you might all be running like an sap or a microsoft cloud or whatever kind of transformation mm -hmm. but there's a different pathway 
that interests each buying subgroup. And of course, there are C-suite, you yeah. know, people aligned to each one of them. And let's be fair, the CEO of a large company is not going to be the one looking through all of this at the same time. They they have people for this. And this is why you need to focus on the buyer journey because personas targeting all of this exists for that and making sure that your yeah. content starts from the awareness side of things, guides yeah. the people through the right buyer journey to the solution, which could be similar, but it yeah. doesn't matter. You need to and make sure the journey is the same. And I, I mean, think, not the same, but yeah. I think, so you're right. And I, I, I think it is, it's very important and it is very, uh, just listening to the two of us, it's, it's maybe a bit, it's maybe before we get lost in the weeds, I think, because you and I like to talk about this stuff forever. I'm going to put a link to uh, a Gardner publication, right? Among all things, but, um, they have, uh, I put a link in the show notes because they have um, some sort of assessment tool, which is essentially a questionnaire that helps you figure out, um, do I have content for each of the stages of a typical buying journey? And uh, if that sounds stupid, it isn't like, just check out the link, download the PDF. Um, it's worth giving your email address away for in this case, or so so say I, but I found it helpful uh, given the the context and the instruction because they, they walk you through, not only do they ask you questions, but they, they give you examples of what type of content you could have per step on the buying journey because it works well, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, I find the structure super helpful when discussing this type of stuff with, with the business side of firms in particular. Yeah. But uh, sorry, moving on. I mean, so now we have, we have the final pillar themes. We've made sure there's a map to the buying journey. Now the question turns, I feel like a little bit more to the actual content pieces. And I think here we can almost summarize our next three points on the list and, and riff on it a little yeah. bit. The next three points were, um, is the stuff we're putting out actually helping people? Right. It's a selfish mm -hmm. garbly garble, or is it actual sort of almost like written down consulting advice? So is it helpful? Because that's, it, it has to be, right? That's just yeah. the point. Is the quality high enough as the second point? And is it easy to use by which we mean, does it adhere to the basic sort of principles of the craft you're in? Like if you're writing, does it adhere to the basic mm -hmm. rules of good copywriting, right? Yeah. Which makes it easy to read. If it's a video, is it a well done video essentially, right? I mean, yeah, obviously there's always room to improve in that area, but, but do you want to talk a little bit about being like helpful content and quality content? Because I find that's. Yeah. Like, first of all, when you are going to talk about solutions and stuff, you need to be audience first. That's the whole thing yeah. about helping people. You need to understand what is your audience pay point and what pain point and what are they looking to solve? And it may be a problem that you made them aware of through your journey or content, but it needs to still matter to the audience and that and the helping people part is speak to the audience basically and think about it as your foot in the door of their interest before anything you know happens this is the this is the part that lets you have that first phone call or first email or whatever they need and for that it needs to be relevant and this is where the whole is how what's the quality of your content, you know, matters. It's not about like talking about the entire world status, global thing. No, you need to be very specific about the thing and think about it. Like 
you've got the example here, the kiosk test, right? Basically, will you pay for this advice? Will you like literally pay for this? Yeah, would, for... would you pay three ninety nine for it? Yeah, yeah. And and I think and... that is that is a good trick to settle, but because quality is always subjective, right? And it's always yes. a problem because there's this weird effect of lots of the things that the consultants themselves think are stupid and banal because they're such experts. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, often quite helpful to clients, right? Because they they're not the expert. Like there's always this weird gap. So. Um, and I've never, through all the years, I never found a good way to, I don't know, get a definition of content quality or what's good enough around here or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. There, a bunch of them exist and you can you can find them. At, but I always just ask at the end, would you, so we've written this, it's cool. Would you pay three ninety nine for it at a kiosk if you had to? Yes. And, and you can when... see in people's faces if they think that's laughable. And then I ask the follow-up question, which is, if not, why are we publishing this? Because you want people who make six figures a year and are freakishly busy to spend 15 minutes out of the day of reading it. But at the other hand, you tell me it's not even worth three ninety nine. I I don't see that working. So, and, and yeah. this, well, I just want to interrupt to say this ties in nicely because is your content, what do you say, coherent and easy to use? Yeah. Because yeah. A, you said the people don't have time. Now they're purchasing for this. Does it make sense to them? either on a quick glance or an easy read. You shouldn't have them spending like half an hour to an hour racking their heads to figure out what's on like one or two pages. They need to be able to look at this and be like, okay, this makes sense, done. Yeah. And by the way, this is a quick side rant, but but it's also maybe helpful to the listeners because it's an easy turnaround, especially on your social content if it's not performing like you expect it. Um, so often I find like these ideas of storytelling and doing the influencer thing seem to be a bit pervasive depending on which firms you work with. So people write posts where I have to spend um, six or seven or eight seconds as I scroll through the feed to even figure out what it is about, right? Like they start with some flowery metaphor or they say, you know, Sun Tzu had ideas about strategy which remain valid today, blah, blah, blah. And then the third paragraph explains that they're actually talking about making a business case uh, for for swapping an ERP system. And I'm like, what, what, the what? I've scrolled by that post long since and I never read it in full. So to your point of ease of use, the easiest fix you can make is make sure that the headline, the first two lines, whatever it is, the, the first few seconds I spend engaging with your post, leave me in no doubt about who this is for, right? Is this for me? And what's 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 the takeaway I'll have when reading this? And this goes to your point you made earlier to, to the being helpful and being tied to a client issue. The strict rule should be one uh, post, one issue. So again, if you publish a podcast that speaks about fixing content, don't spend three minutes talking about software issues because that's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, moving from that, the thing when I do want to emphasize that ease of use means it needs to speak in the language of the audience. Yeah, that's so. True. So, if your audience is techie and they like tech stuff, speak to them that way. If your audience is not techie, speak to them in the way that you would speak to anyone else. Do not laden it with marketing speak. Do not just fill it up with that. Like, speak to your audience, whether it's high tech 
low tech, whatever, in the way that they're comfortable and they like being spoken to. Ease of use doesn't necessarily mean simplify it into layman speak. It is no. speak to the audience easy in the language they want. Exactly. Good point. It's easy to use for the people we try to talk to, which goes back to the first points about strategy and having having all that done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a little bit moving on on our list. Sorry, Ash, we have yeah. a little bit of a technicality, which which you, you can if you want to talk about that. There's yeah. then, once you once we know what we want to say, right? So we have that. It's draft is written, the video scripts done, whatnot. It's time to pause and think about how, how we're going to say it, or in other words, uh, how, how are we going to produce it for specific channels? Yeah, I mean, I think you touched upon this earlier, Flo. It's essentially your channel fit, your channel strategy. Like, if your LinkedIn channel is primarily a recruitment channel, then you don't need to, you know, swamp it with, like, business pieces because that's not what they're looking for. If your if your LinkedIn channel is primarily for you to promote business thought leadership thought pieces, then that should be the place. And that's not the place where you go around saying, hey, look at this amazing employee who has done all this kind of stuff. No, because... That's not what the channel's for. Identify as you figure out with your audience. Identify where your audience also consumes content. This is not a problem just within B two B. This is a problem everywhere. Sometimes a channel can just be like a content aggregator, but that's because there's a better search function on that platform. And oh, you're talking about at, the YouTube dump. Yeah, and people look <laughs> into that kind of stuff. And yeah. sometimes your channel is curated for specific reasons, and you need to look at it that way. So identify your audience and your channel strategy at the same time and push the right kind of content in the right channel so that you don't confuse your audience yeah. really that's basically it that's and, the simplest way to put and it. also also that's maybe not a bit tangential to to the points you just made but i think there's also you can also fit your expectations to the channel right mm-hmm. if you start organically on instagram today not this it'll be very hard to make it work um if you start a YouTube channel, uh, it'll it might work, but it'll take time. Um, if you start on TikTok, yeah, sure, that stuff's gonna. There's a chance of you going viral tomorrow. Like there, there's different dynamisms of how these channels distribute what you make, and you should be clear about how you know results may vary, <laughs> and that you just should take so you should take that into consideration as you sort of assess. Yeah. is this does this work on this channel or whatnot? But mm-hmm. Unless, or before someone calls me out how I'm contradicting our own introduction where we said people do something for a year and then it doesn't work and we come in and say, yeah, that's the content is a problem. Um, I would say that within six to 12 months, you should be able to see positive trends regardless of what I just, of channel, right? It might take a few months more to really hit your numbers on YouTube or it might um, take a little longer um, before the first deal comes in through LinkedIn, but uh, you, sh- you there should be qualitative in- indicators clearly signaling that what you're doing is working. And if that's not the case, that's where we started from, right? For many firms, that's not the case. They've been doing the LinkedIn thing twice a week for a year, and there's nothing. And um, that that means that there clearly is an issue with the content strategy or the content plan. Sorry. Um, yeah last bit or sorry we have two two more points two more points yeah Yeah. Uh, one actually fits into the earlier point it's making sure that your content you know content is tweaked to the right channel and everything makes sense for those channels and that's how you're putting it and i love what you told earlier in the discussion flow maybe you can talk about you know like 
yeah, sometimes there's a question of uh, even if the channel stays the same, the format can be mixed up to improve the results. And the story I had, I shared with you before we hit record was I have a client who who writes a very um, helpful, very deep piece on, uh, again, making helping clients making a business case. And they sort of walk you through, as you read the piece, they walk you through a series of critical questions to ask mm-hmm. of a certain software solution. Mm-hmm. And then they also show you benchmarks or they, they explain to you, depending on what your answer is, what would that mean for the overall process or what would that mean for the business case you're putting together? Right. So yeah. in case you have since so many employees, it's better to go this way versus that way in case of your operating margins, this type of stuff. And and the 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 post, although it is very substantial, it's quite helpful and they get strong feedback from some people who read it has issues uh one of them being uh, a significant like the scroll depth of shit and uh we tested it or we broke it down on two pages like you have to click a button to read the second half no one clicks like so it's clearly it's just too long <laughs> and maybe there's issues with the writings i'm not going to comment on that but the question was couldn't we change the format and to be precise why isn't this an interactive quiz or some sort of calculator on the website why do you have to read all this text and understand it? Couldn't it be an interactive thing that conveys the same message? And then it would be a tool and probably be much more lend itself much more to quick dissemination or distribution than than a thousand or was I I wrote in the notes a thousand two hundred word post. It's much longer than that, honestly. I think it's probably gets closer to three thousand words. If you had to print it, it'd probably be yeah. a brochure. So it's really yeah. And Flo, I love how in this episode you just keep connecting everything to the next point because exactly these kinds of format tweaks are the things you need for a call to action on next steps. Like people see yeah. all this stuff, then what do they do next? Pretty much is like you know tweaking it so that they say, "Hey, call us or read this next or you know um, go to this event where you can speak to us or whatever." Essentially. Yeah make sure that what you do has some sort of follow through yeah which you can track one way or the other and it's not about pitch slapping people at the end of a blog post right book our consulting call and whatnot which honestly you could do or offer the option but subtly right don't pester people just just make if in case i wanted to talk you after reading the article make that easy for me that's the spirit right not not yelling (laughs) at me just but i think um your other point there was, was exactly the right thing to do which is find like invite them to the next piece of content invite them to maybe an event uh highlight some something else or something useful they may find like the the idea there being mm-hmm. provide an option that makes it easy to continue the engagement if mm-hmm. the readers the viewers the clients whatever prefer to do so so not no 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 exit intent freaking pop-ups i hate those but <laughs> If if you have three more content pieces around the same topic, which sort of follow what I've just read, why do I have to go back on the blog overview page to find them? Right, just offer them up right there. And this is um, this is I mean this is super tactical, and and lots of firms have this solved. But then on the other hand, there's lots of content out there where this is not the case. And, Actually, um, do uh, want to add where, one thing? Could, it could be improved, right? Yeah, yeah. Want to add one thing? Flow is yes. Do the connection. Do all the stuff. But don't make it a content wormhole. Don't make it like Wikipedia is what I'm trying to say. Essentially, where people will start with one article and then they'll go on and on and on and then they'll lose the plot. 
do make sure that you have some place where they can stop or they can pause yeah. and they can like you know interact but, with you at that point but talking about connecting the points on list right the beauty of this list here is if you did the second step and ensured your content fits the buying journey yes the wikipedia forever hold can't exist because by that definition by the buying journey definition you will have some content describing the problem some of assessing for assessing how relevant is for my business yes and then eventually you'll have some stuff that helps me with uh, uh, making the business case for it or assessing vendors or comparing or benchmarking solutions or all these types of stuff so there's a there's a progression to it and an end to it yes and uh if you don't have the buying journey map yet uh, mapping yet get that done and if you already have it congrats just you know our last point is valid second to last i should say make sure that each piece sort of segues into the next or make makes the makes the segue yeah, easy make a yeah. connected connected yeah. path yes yep speaking of obvious things i you know i said we had two more points but we have actually we have a very last one which is the obvious one right um distribution distribution <laughs> So You've all the stuff. So why mm -hmm. don't you tell people about it? <laughs> yeah. And this fits in with all the things that we were talking about channel and audience and everything, because this is where you figure out, not you figure, you should have already figured out, but this is where you start putting into practice, which channel, what tactical yeah. strategy you need to go for it and things like that. Yeah. And make sure that there is awareness, not just for the problem that you're talking about in your piece, but for your piece itself yeah yeah i mean um oh linkedin is not working for us posts about their event once right that's my joke sorry uh, that doesn't come across but i mean it's it's literally just the point if you invest 40 hours in building a great piece of content and then you invest half an hour to tweet about it mm -hmm. something's off and you have heard this elsewhere and you know it yep. but the fact of the matter is the reality still is that um firms don't get the distribution down um mm -hmm. and if they do if they have something going which works in my experience they abandon it too often like i've, I've so many clients who say oh no no we fixed that we now do five tweets per new research report instead of one <laughs> like yeah how, how about we build something for an entire year <laughs> yeah. um uh that that i think was our last bit so maybe to run it out, I'm not going to go through the list again, but if you do content programs and you're unhappy with the results, um, mm -hmm. or uh, sorry, if you do content programs of the variety that works today, right? Mm -hmm. Social media, uh, video content in the social platforms, you run your own publishing effort, you have a newsletter and that stuff doesn't get off the ground as by your definition, whatever you mean by that, uh, do go back in. Very likely, it's an issue with your not with your marketing strategy, but with the with the content strategy. So, how you translate your marketing strategy into the actual content plan. Mm -hmm. And I think the list we outlined today um, will will get you started on on fixing it. Um, yeah, uh, that's that. And in closing, uh, because we talked about distribution, I just this is a we can we maybe take this out i don't know but shout out to our friend of the show bob boudet right <laughs> because oh yeah yeah that man co-sponsors or co-hosts or whatever it is a thought leadership conference in november in november get your seat i mean get your tickets he has posts about about that content conference introducing 
speakers explaining why you should visit certain topics, giving away some of the content ahead of time. Like, I think I'm, I got to go back and check, but I feel like I've seen something new about that event every day. So I'm not sure if you post every day, but uh, probably two or three times a week. And then there's comments and back and forth, keep it coming back into my feet. But yeah. man, he has, the, he understood the distribution game. You got to give it, got to give it that to Bob. Oh yeah. That's, oh yeah. So I'm, I'm actually, out to him for uh, being the I would also, I would also like to say that our friend and former uh, guest, uh, Steven Heidebrand from dream data also understands the distribution game. Oh yeah, he's oh yeah, he's in my he's in my um, feed. He's on my uh, my uh, feed quite often when I check LinkedIn. Yeah, take note, With... engineering folks. This person yeah. is not even a marketing guy. He runs the company, and I think he's the technical founder. I might be mistaken, but um, yeah. Anyways, yeah. So with that, you know, uh, back to the posting wars. <laughs> <laughs> back to the slide factory and the the posting machine <laughs> as is yeah. my uh, and uh, everyone have a great yeah. weekend when you get to it eventually and we'll see you on the next yeah. episode or you'll hear us on the next episode exactly i'll stop the recording here speak soon ash have a good one Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 